Hello, it's Chappie, the British butler. It's wonderful to have you here. Um, it's Small Business Saturday. Um, you had uh, you had Black Friday. This is Small Business Saturday. So go out and support your local businesses today, people. It's very very important indeed. Uh, welcome along to the program. It's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Episode number four zero. It's episode forty. Can you, Adam and Eve? It. It's so wonderful to have you here. It's so wonderful to have your support, and it's lovely to have some jingly bells. Anyway, so welcome along to the program today. We've got a ram shackle affair as always, and it's ram packed as well with uh, lots of lovely, lovely features. It's it's bursting at the seams here. It's like trying to tighten one's belt after Thanksgiving and the belt just giving way, bursting and letting all the obscenities be revealed. Um, So anyway, some of the things that we may or may not be talking about uh, today um, is uh, we have some uh, Belgian phallic lanterns that have been put up and uh, causing much much, uh, consternation. Um, We also have a... Uh, 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 an astronomical event occurring. It's a it's an astronomical event. It's a an event that hasn't happened in 800 years. It's a space age event, and um, it's actually uh, to do with Jupiter and Saturn. And it's occurring on the solstice, uh, December the 21st. So we're going to be talking about that because I think that's huge. I think that's absolutely massive. And I think it's something that, you know, we should be uh, very uh, interested in. We should uh, uh, erect our telescopes and uh, peer into the heavens. Uh, You may be seeing Santa coming along, potentially, uh, with his sleigh. Um, You may see Rudolph's red nose illuminating the uh, the ether. Um, But uh, also you'll be seeing this marvelous event that's not going to happen again, or not going to happen in a similar way until 2080. Um, we have a new uh, feature, my distaste, general discontent over some of the things that I see out and about, some of the most heinous, desperate fashion crimes of all, uh, and we are going to have a, a very new feature uh, where we're going to bundle them all up, um, they may be incredibly distasteful, they may make you sick to the stomach, but we will be calling the fashion police. Uh, And then some of the other things that we uh, may or may not be uh, talking about uh, today. Uh, I saw a a young chap uh, uh, running along today, um, and I'm going to call him the uh, chicken wing chap, the chicken wing chap. And I will be explaining to all and sundry later what I exactly mean uh, by that. Um, We also have um, a Japanese woman arrested for poking holes in expensive melons. Uh, we have a Christmas butler fireside ghost story uh, coming up a little bit later. Uh, the dogs take the lead over Charlotte's hamster in a Buckingham Palace ex- uh, exhibition. Uh, don't bother Santa Boris, it's time for a Yule retool. Um, and also uh, the English Vineyard Crown Sparkling Wine Producer of the Year. Um, also how um, cricket, a cricket Club is banning afternoon tea. What a hideous, anathema, awful crime that is. 
Um, and also uh, how uh, popular EU sausages and British sausages are not going to be allowed to be sold in the EU anymore. Uh, we're going to be crying over, over that uh, uh, very sad, um, depressing tale. Um, people are buying uh, British Airways trolleys and other items from the airline. I think they're trying to make a few pounds and pennies. Um, and, uh, and they're actually uh, they're selling their trolleys off. Um, they're also um, selling off uh, some of the vomit bags, I believe. Um, maybe uh, maybe some of the cabin crew items as well, potentially. I would love one of those uh, British Airways neckerchiefs. I think that would be absolutely fantastic. Um, also, the British pin is soothing irritable monkeys. Um, we have uh, also, we're going to bundle this into the uh, Fashion Police feature. Uh, should men really wear Crocs? I know this is again one of my uh, one of my ultimate uh, points of uh, irritation: the rubbery abomination shoe that is a Croc. Um, also, uh, Jan Morris, a journalist who broke the Everest story, dies at 94. Um, the Shakespeare tree must be saved from extinction. Um, a bullfight with a difference is prized property uh, in, in China. Uh, we never got on to Johnny Rotten's uh, Flea Bitten Willy. Uh, we will be getting on to that today. The uh, kids' lover Cheetos led him to start a business and helped his ma family move out of the house. We have a uh, Tincture Tinder, a historical Tinder game um, this week uh, with Caligula. Um, and, uh, and also an enigmatic English eccentric will be making a uh, rather elegant appearance uh, later on. Uh, we have the Queen's five wellness rules for resilience as well. Uh, Donald Trump's got rather uh, petulant and uh, childlike again on the golf course. Um, and uh, also we have an Austrian village that's changed its name from a pretty rude word to uh, one sounding very, very rude as well. Um, you're very, very welcome to the podcast. I am going to uh, attach a lot of jingle bells over the coming weeks here. Um, so we're going to have lots of lots of bells uh, going on in the background here. Um, big Santa bowl bells will be uh, tingling in the background, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, so we're at, up, up to episode 40 of the podcast. And I'm, I'm really hoping, I'm hoping, this is, this is if um, the busyness of the Yuletide period allows me to, but I'm going to try to get up to 50 by Christmas Eve. Let's see if we can do it. Um, I don't want the quality to drop. Who's that in the back saying there never was any quality in the beginning? Uh, but that's what we're going to try to do um, over, the, uh, over the course of the uh, next couple of weeks here on the Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese podcast, hosted by your dear, dear, dear friend, Chappie. Um, something, something I was thinking about as well, uh, as we're um, jingling away in the background here, is we just had Thanksgiving. So, uh, you know, I, I do, I do apologise um, to, uh, to one and all um, for, not, uh, for not having the podcast yesterday. I know people set the clock by it. Uh, there's many of you have giant uh, pocket watches that you actually do set your clock to this podcast, and you do expect it to appear every Friday. It's like a it's like a large present popping out of a stocking, um, and and you expect it every Friday. 
and it wasn't here. So anyway, so we have Saturday. I thought I'd record it in the light of day. I haven't got a miner's light, a miner's lamp on my head that I usually have to when I record it very early morning on a Friday. That's when I normally uh, record this uh, very esteemed uh, audio delight. Um, but uh, but yes, so we, we're good at recording uh, this Saturday. But thinking about Thanksgiving, I, I, I did loosen my belt slightly. It's gone from, uh, it's allowed an extra notch uh, to uh, to loosen loosens one's tummy here. Um, and uh, I did actually undo, believe it or not, I, I think we, we, we probably need a, uh, uh, you know, some sort of, uh, some sort of celebration here, some sort of celebration here, um, you know, regarding, uh, regarding uh, Thanksgiving. Um, um, yeah, not that, uh, not that. Well, that that's me putting on a few extra pounds, probably over over the course of uh, uh, over the course of uh, over the course of Thanksgiving. So um, that's uh, that <laughs> but yes, I did loosen loosen the belt a little bit to, to allow a little more room. But something I was thinking about as well. So I, I was, you know, doing a lot of cooking, a lot of stirring, vigorous stirring at times. You know, using the wrist to its maximum capacity. Um, and uh, and really whisking up the uh, Yorkshire pudding batter. I hope you made the Yorkshire pudding, by the way. They're they're becoming a huge hit in the United States uh, as they are uh, in the UK, obviously. Um, but I, I did find that you know things like Yorkshire pudding batter, stuffing, cranberry sauce, and mashed potato flails and flies everywhere. And uh, what it sometimes does is, is it, it forms a lump in an area that you don't realize it, it's gone. And uh, it can give you a rather substantial area of sustenance later on. Like I, I, I did remove um, the starch collar, um, uh, starch collar, and I took my shirt off. And I found um, a little bit of mashed potato and uh, cranberry sauce and some stuffing. To say for later, it was it was it was embedded on my chest. It was it's as strong, I tell you, as cement. It this is, it could stick together. It could stick together roofs. It could uh, it could uh, you know in, in any sort of flooding situation. It could uh, it could hold floors together. Um, and, uh, and and you know, I mean, I know bearded men often say, "Well, I'll save that for later." Uh, because it gets stuck in the beard. It's not just the beard. I'm clean shaven. It's, it's, it's everywhere. The, 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 the stuffing, cranberry sauce, um, uh, and uh, gravy as well. That goes there. That goes anywhere. Um, does get stuck. And it's not just on men. It is on women too. I honestly believe you me. You can you can you can delight your partner later with a little bit of uh, uh, a post Thanksgiving dinner. Um, you can find it in all sorts of places, honestly. Um, so just remember, if you ever, if you ever need to stick something to the wall, uh, stuffing, cranberry sauce, uh, Yorkshire pudding batter and mashed potato are rather fantastic. So the big news that I discovered today that is very, very exciting, um, I think for, for everybody, it should be anyway, because 2020 has been a pretty, pretty awful year. 
Um, but Jupiter and Saturn will form a rare double planet in the sky before Christmas. So here's how to see the incredible spectacle that hasn't happened in 800 years. Jupiter and Saturn will appear to align this December, creating a double planet in the night sky. It's the first time since the Middle Ages the planets have aligned this closely. You can see the planet's conjunction on the winter solstice, December the 21st, which seems like a perfect date for it to happen. For the first time since the Middle Ages, Jupiter and Saturn will become so close to each other in the night sky that they'll appear as a brilliant, bright double planet on the winter solstice, December the 21st. The solar system's two largest planets will be visible on top of each other in the western sky. If you live in the northern hemisphere, you can observe the planetary conjunction setting in the southwestern sky shortly after sunset. If you've been waiting to take out your telescope, this may be a perfect opportunity. Even if you have an amateur telescope with your right eyepiece, you may be able to see the Galilean moons, bands of Jupiter and Saturn's rings in one spectacular view. But don't wait too long, because the planets will dip below the horizon only a couple of hours after the sun sets. You won't see a similar conjunction this close again until March the 15th, 2080. And I think I'll be uh, probably long gone uh, by then. Um, I'll probably be um, the, uh, wrapped in bacon in the great full English breakfast frying pan in the sky. In what astronomers are calling a great conjunction or the meeting of two biggest worlds in our solar system, the planets will appear perfectly aligned from the Earth's perspective only to be 0.1 degree apart. That's one-fifth the diam diameter of the Moon. The last Jupiter and Saturn appeared this close was in 1623, just 14 years after Galileo made his first telescope and discovered the moons of Jupiter. The true solar system alignment of these two gas giants occurred a few weeks ago, but from Earth's perspective as it is quickly orbits the Sun, Jupiter and Saturn will appear to inch closer and closer over the coming weeks. If you take your telescope out early, the planets are already close enough together and setting later in the night. Jupiter is five times the distance of Earth from the Sun, a whopping 484 million miles away. Saturn is double that. Um, your birthday in Jupiter would occur every 12 years and once every 30 years on Saturn. At this rate, Jupiter aligns with Saturn every 20 years in the orbital plane of the solar system, creating a conjunction viewed from Earth. The German astronomer Johannes Kepler in 1614 um, said that a conjunction between Jupiter and Saturn occurring in 7 BC may have been what the wise men in the Nativity story saw and called the Star of Bethlehem. Whether the famed Christmas star was a real astronomical event like a planetary conjunction or comet remains a mystery. But it is so exciting. I really do want to see this happen. Um, I think it'll be a magical evening on December the 21st. So I was thinking, um, you know, now it's getting very dark and uh, you either have to walk the dogs or do some exercise early or you have to do it in the dark with some sort of lighting. But I was thinking the seasonal problem of lighting the way. Um, lighting the night sky when you're trying to do a little bit of gentle exercise, dog walking, running, whatever you do, even the dreaded cyclists out there. Uh, Fashion-wise, I will not be seen dead with a miner's lamp on top of a beanie. I, we'll go into the beanies later, but anything without, you know, phallic dong on top of your head, I would never do it. But here's what I would consider. I would consider Madonna-like um, breast cones with LED lights on the nipples, lighting my way uh, or lifting my way and lighting my way on, uh, you know, through the night here, uh, through the through the Yuletide evenings that we have uh, coming up over the next couple of weeks here. I mean, I know you have batteries which are AAA, AA, 
Um, I, I, I don't know if there's any other, but you could do, you know, you could have different size LED light cones, again, shaped into the Madonna bra. Uh, you could do the triple A or you could do the, you know, the triple B or the triple C or the, or, or, or the biggest ones, which I think I would go for is the triple D. I do the triple D cones, uh, with the huge LED bulbs on, on, on the nipple area. And it would light my way. Now, um, if, if if you didn't want to do the Madonna cone LED lights, you uh, you could consider uh, lighting away with a glowing uh, codpiece. It would be like the North Star lighting the penile path. So I think we're all watching the crown at the moment and really enjoying the delights of a of a what could probably be seen as. Um, Partly the milestones are true events, but then the rest of it's a soap opera, um, fictional soap opera. The real life royal family does have a soap opera, one, one would say, on occasion. But anyway, I was looking back, seeing the, seeing the corgis run around and my fondness for corgis. The royal family and other animals, a Buckingham Palace exhibition on favourite pets. As a confidant of the Queen once observed, she has few friends, and if she had to choose between dogs and the friends, there's no doubt which she would choose. Next year, um, and I don't think it ever happened, but they, it will be opening, uh, I would say, this coming year, 2021, the summer opening exhibition at Buckingham Palace will chart the royal family's devotion to their pets. The Queen's lifelong affinity with dogs and horses is expected to be at the heart of the exhibition. Corgis have become synonymous with the monarch, uh, who from the age of seven until last year kept Pembroke Welsh corgis. In 2018, Willow, the last of her corgis, was put down, sadly. It had been suffering from cancer. Palace sources said the loss hit the Queen very hard. She still has two doggies, a, a doggies, a cross between a corgi and a dachshund, called Vulcan and Candy. And she's said to be bonded to the Duchess of Sussex over a shared love of dogs. Meghan has a beagle, uh, which moved with her from Canada in 2017, and I think moved back to the States uh, when she moved back. Royal support for animal welfare will be a theme of the exhibition. Uh, Megan became patron of Mayhew and Animal Welfare Charity. The Duchess of Cornwall's patron of Battersea's Dog Home and Cat's Home, uh, from which she got her two Jack Russells, Beth and Bluebell. Queen Victoria banned tail docking and ear cropping in the Royal Kennels and became the first Royal Patron of Battersea in 1885. The exhibition will explore how pets have become part of the Royal Family's public image for centuries. Charles I Spaniels featured in portraits by Anthony van Dyck and Lupo, uh, the uh, Duke and Duchess Cambridge Cocker Spaniel that sadly died this last week, has appeared in several family photos released by Kensington Palace. But Princess Charlotte's pet hamster has yet to make the official royal debut. The The show will also tell the less familiar royal pets, including Charlotte, a parrot adopted by Prince George, later George V in Egypt when he was a, a midshipman in the Royal Navy. The Queen also played with the bird whilst visiting Balmoral as a child. One poignant story in the exhibition staged, in a, a staged by the Royal uh, Collection Trust is that Caesar, uh, Edward VII's Norfolk Terrier, went with him everywhere. Uh, Edward's funeral in 1910 and Caesar still accompanied his master. Everyone cried when they saw the king's little dog following the coffin, observed the writer Vita Sackville West. Caesar was subsequently immortalised in stone. He is depicted lying at his master's feet, carved out on Edward VII's tomb at St George's Chapel, Windsor. The exhibition will also include a Fabergé model of the dog, commissioned by Edward VII in 1907. It has ruby eyes and a gold collar and inscribed, I belong to the king. What a lovely story, and it's uh, and it's so delightful um, seeing the corgis run around in this uh, newest uh, um, season of the Crown.
So we have another edition of the Wheel of Misfortune. So we spin the roulette wheel and it lands on a rather unfortunate story from the week. Um, it can be the Wheel of Misfortune and Misinformation if it's uh, directed or related to politics. Uh, but this week, um, we, this, this one's coming out of Japan this week. So we'll spin the wheel. So, yeah, let's just give it one more toss around here. With the Wheel of Misfortune, and let's see. Oh. oh so it's landed on. Uh, for the Wheel of Misfortune this week, the Hokkaido woman arrested for poking holes in 13 expensive melons with her finger. Police in Kashiro City, Hokkaido, uh, have announced the arrest of a woman suspected of puncturing 13 melons with her finger. However, motives remain a mystery. The crime occurred on July the 28th when the 64-year-old suspect entered a supermarket and allegedly stabbed the baker's dozen of melons with her finger at approximately 1.30 in the afternoon. It is important to note that these aren't just ordinary melons. They're renowned Jaburi King, which often make headlines for selling at exorbitant prices. The victimized melons had a combined worth of 14,000 yen. Interestingly enough, no security cameras caught her in the act, so it's unclear how the police managed to track down the culprit. The uh, nature of the detective work and the suspect's motives have not been revealed. Uh, Occam's razor would suggest that she was simply checking to see if the freshest applied them in the most absolute grotesque way by sticking a finger in. Uh, this kind of behavior is certainly not uncommon and was captured best in the uh, 1985 classic uh, Tampopo. Um, <laughs> however, it's far from the only theory uh, Netsons were full of. Sounds like a yoki to me. I've seen this movie. It's a kind of kung fu training for close combat. I guess if I had a good melon poking technique, I'd use that as much as possible. Uh, this brings us to the most popular, most troubling theory that she was practicing the ancient art, martial art of Hokuto uh, Shinken, which uh, involves poking somebody with ferocity that makes their brain explode. Oh, well, that's right. Sounds rather hideous indeed. Um, the, but the melons must have been too ripe for this sort of vigorous action in penetrating the cantaloupe flesh or whatever the melon was. Apparently, uh, she was playing a game of uh, Melanopoly and needs not to be a bad loser and have a melon meltdown. So we have another Fireside Butler ghost story, but it's a Fireside Butler Christmas ghost story. Um, coming some, from some true events um, that, uh, that I've discovered. Uh, from the mystical events surrounding the birth of Jesus to the haunting traditions of Charles Dickens' supernatural visitors in A Christmas Carol, Christmas and paranormal phenomena have had a close relationship from the very beginning. Christmas has long been associated with magic, miracles, and wonderful happenings. The following uh, that we're going to have over the coming weeks is a selection of strange Yuletide phenomena, including sightings of Santa Claus himself. Whether you're a believer or if you think they're all bar humpuck, they do make an intriguing read. This is the Christmas church ghost. So, I was playing hide-and-seek with other little kids from my mother's village of Setua in western Samoa. I was quite young then, so I always followed my older cousin around. It was the middle of the night, and most of the kids were used to hiding anywhere in the dark. I wasn't used to it, and I was only there for the Christmas holidays. Uh, this the writer actually lived in Australia. Since we were hiding in the graveyard, we were able to find a way around the light cast by the church. We hid in the shadows and waited for the boy who was it. 
We could hear him coming, so we kept quiet. The boy was pretty loud. We wondered what was, why he was making such a fuss, so he went to see. He later told us he'd walked into the church as he thought that his brother was hiding there. He saw a boy standing right at the front of the altar. He didn't know if it was his brother because the boy's back was turned. He ran up and tapped this boy on the shoulder. As soon as he did, this strange boy disappeared and our friend fainted. He went home to tell his parents we got back to find him still lying there, dead still. His parents took him to home and we never played in the graveyard at night again. We later found out the boy's brother had been home the whole time. He hadn't been in the church, which really scared us. But the boy who had fainted had been ill since that night and has hasn't even recovered. Whoever was in the church must have been pretty mad and the children disturbed him. So has a Donald Trump style appeal been lobbed? Shock as Sussex Cricket League passes vote on no more cricket tees. Oh, it's so sad. No more cricket tees? There'll be no more cricket tees in the Sussex Cricket League after they passed a vote on Monday night and it's caught a huge reaction on social media. Players, scorers and umpires were asked to bring their own tees during this year's August Cup because of COVID regulation. But now the league has voted for no more cricket tees, period. The uh, SCL tweeted the AGM vote removing the provision of tees vote carried 89 uh, against 114 for. There's still a break of 30 minutes and the clubs are expected to provide a choice of hot and cold drinks for players and officials. It's understood that the three main reasons are costs, clubs not being able to find people to do them, and local councils now asking clubs to ensure their catering facilities are up to the required food hygiene standard and some are not. It was likely that 2021 would have seen the same regulations as the 2020 season, so this only becomes in force for the 2022 season. The players and clubs have mixed reaction on social media. This is an absolute shambles. Shame on them who voted it out. Hashtag shambles. Hashtag bring back cricket tees. Ditchling Cricket Club tweeted, the clubs were not on the call and were deemed to have voted the removal of the tees. Uh, that was uh, not fair and voting figures do not reflect who actually wanted to remove the tees. This needs rethinking. Haywood Heath Skipper Callum tweeted, if the vote was for one season, then yes, but it's been voted uh, for forever. This is time to remove teas, period. Someone has to prep hot drinks, which takes time. 11 people have to prep a lunch. Who's going to stop playing? But you need to bring your own sarnies now. This is an abomination. As a player, it was lovely to have nice tea. Uh, and as a captain, it was a right pain in the ass. Ever-decreasing numbers of helpers and clubs uh, makes it making teas more, uh, more difficult. But I really don't like bringing my own sarnies and cake. Uh, to have uh, during the interval. What an absolute, uh, what an absolute abomination. No more cricket. The cricket tea is one of the wonders of the game, I have to say. So you play for a couple of hours and you stop for afternoon tea. You have a nice cup of tea, slice of cake, some beautiful sandwich with a crust cut off. Absolutely delightful. Then you get back and play again. I mean, what other sport stops for tea? This is the, this is the epitome of Englishness. And it's an absolute beautiful thing, the cricket tea. You know, I do love, a, you know, maybe a nice sponge cake with 
uh, with some uh, with some whipped cream in the middle and some strawberries is absolutely fantastic. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be crying into my tea tonight with the uh, with the dissolution of the cricket tea. I have to say, I mean, for the more hefty chap, a sport that provides lashings of sandwiches and cake was always tremendously appealing. Uh, one no longer needs to uh, needs a substitute player to act as a runner after a Tudor feast of tea since this sort of announcement. We have another edition of Trump or Trombone, where we take some of the most awful, terrible headlines of the week, some of them very amusing, some of them bloody awful, and we uh, equate them to either a Trump, which is probably the worst, or a very sad trombone. So it's what we like to call Trump or trombone. Uh, that's our foghorn Trump. That's uh, one of our little uh, trombone sessions here. Uh, that's our baby Trump uh, throwing the uh, toys out of the pram. As always, uh, that's a rather large Trump, so that's going to be a pretty heinous crime of a, t of a tale and story this week. And I'll said wah 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 trombone. So here we go. We have Belgian lights phallic display is our first in our trump or trombone uh, this week. Did a Belgian town accidentally decorate Christmas with phallic light display? Uh, and that's uh, our uh, our uh, top tale. Um, it's hard to think of anything more, more fitting end to 2020, a year marked by the deadly COVID-19 pandemic, economic fallout, political turmoil, than an attempt by a Belgian town to spread holiday cheer, only to inadvertently install holiday lights that look like penises. The uh, light settings in Oddenburg near Belgium's North Sea coast were meant to represent candles, but as the New York Times reports, the small town gained international notoriety when people noticed that the candles, when turned on, looked like a certain part of the male anatomy. Topped with blue lights illuminating bus stops um, and, uh, and uh, green spaces, even the surroundings of the church. Locals appear to be making the best of it with the intent of the Christmas display was to lift the spirits, uh, they certainly look well lifted to me, amid the pandemic in a hard-hit country. Uh, it seems to be doing that of light for another reason, with Belgian news outlets reporting with amusement the international attention the lights have indeed uh, attracted. Um, apparently, by the looks of things, Santa came early this year. Uh, the phallic lanterns could light Santa's way this year uh, if they can get it up in time. Uh, British pianist Velvety Tones soothed Thailand's hungry monkeys. While on tour in central Thailand, uh, British musician Paul Barton has been mobbed by unruly audiences that tug at his hair, steal his music and climb over his piano. Barton is a rock star to hundreds of hungry wild monkeys that he hopes his music can calm down. Uh, at the time when Thailand's coronavirus-induced tourism hiatus means fewer visitors to feed them and less funds for their welfare. We need to make an effort to make sure that they eat properly and when they eat properly... Uh, they'll be calm and not be so aggressive. Barton has played uh, four venues in Lopuri, famous uh, uh, for its uh, marauding monkeys, including an ancient Hindu temple uh, and a derelict cinema. The uh, marquees are instantly drawn as he plays Greensleeves, Beethoven, Thoralis, and Michael Nyman's Diary of Love, sharing some, uh, sharing some of his stool, others climbing on his shoulders and touching his head. But they do love the dulcet tones of... Of, uh, of the piano. I wonder if Barry Manilow sat behind the piano to serenade the monkeys and the chimps with Mandy if they'd start throwing excrement at him. Uh, maybe they would prefer uh, Crapper Cabana. New idea for your Santa's list, crockery slippers or trolleys from British Airways. British Airways put crockery slippers and trolleys from its now retired jumbo jet sets 
up for sale on Monday, seeking to shift retired stock and help its brand open customers' mind at a time when very few are traveling. The airline, which earlier this year sold off millions of pounds worth of art to boost its pandemic hit finances, said to open in the Christmas store to sell items. Um, BA's been burning through millions this week with a lot of people actually uh, on furlough. But BA said it was offering customers a chance to buy a piece of history with items available uh, from uh, Boeing's uh, retired uh, 747 Jumbo Jets for BA. It's a one-time opportunity to, for people to bring the magic of flying with British Airways into their into their homes. So I think you can buy uh, you can buy trolleys and some of the cabin crew stuff here. Uh, maybe some of the uh, sick bags, uh, blankets, champagne flutes uh, from the first class cabins uh, as well. Um, but it does, uh, I mean, maybe you could sell off former Pan Am uniforms. I'd love a Pan Am uniform. Uh, then you could uh, do a Leonardo DiCaprio Catch Me If You Can. Uh, but also you could set, maybe sell the toilets Portaloo area uh, that my uncle mm -hmm, told me is big enough to join the Mile High Club uh, without impaling yourself on the tap. Yeah, so I think we have our uh, big raspberry of the week here, without a, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and it's and it's Johnny Rotten has fleas. There's a effing bite on my willy. The uh, former Sex Pistols frontman recently befriended a group of squirrels. The one-time punk legend says he recently befriended a group of squirrels that were hanging around his house in Bent, Venice Beach, California. Ever since then, he's been liberally applying Vaseline to his body to ease the itchiness. I looked down there this morning at my willy, and there's, a, and there's an effing flea bite on it. Uh, the bites, uh, wow, last night was murder. The itching too, it's such a poxy thing to get caught on. And, uh, and the only way round it, I'm not going to blame the poor little squirrels, is to Vaseline my legs and the old boy. I just hope that they don't get the wrong idea. Um, so, um, Johnny Rotten, Fleabit and Willie, uh, um, <laughs> I just, I mean, you've got fleas, you know, I bet the fleas could be high from all of uh, maybe Johnny's drugs that he's, um, uh, that he's taken over the years. Um, but, uh, but, a, but a bite in a sex pistol <laughs> that the fleas discharge with his gnashes are a whole different story. Okay, so we've got another edition of historical Tinder. Um, so you, normally you know how Tinder works, swipe right and swipe right, left on whoever you like or dislike. Uh, this game, it's more of, a, more of a swing right or swing left to the axe or guillotine or a sword coming down, or maybe somebody escaped and didn't, uh, and didn't, and, and it wasn't the dreaded swipe left. You may remember Caligula as a chap who made his horse a council. Now you have to bear in mind that the ancient historians really didn't have a ton of incentive to make sure their histories are accurate. They were more like the Philippa Gregories of antiquity, embellishing in some places and just flat out making stuff up in others. However, to history, much of what we know about Caligula comes from a historian who lived several decades after his death. So, so these stories about Caligula have meaningful conversations with the moon and feeding his horse oats mixed with flakes of gold may not be indeed true. Some historians point to other legends like the one they say during a campaign in Britain where he told his soldiers to stop what they were doing and collect seashells. He supposedly once ordered a bunch of boats to line up and make a bridge across the Bay of Naples so he could gallop gleefully across. And he was eventually uh, assassinated by his own pro uh, Praetorian guards, uh, which is not something that tends to happen to beloved rulers. Uh, so I think we have uh, Caligula, 
um, and uh, he was uh, he was uh, as it says eventually assassinated. Uh, so it was uh, probably definitely a fate worse than death. Here. So some big news: uh, Trump has finally emerged to speak at his hilariously tiny desk, and the internet had jokes. Who kicked Trump from the Resolute desk to the kiddies' table? In the weeks since he lost the election, Trump has barely made any public appearances or statements outside of the incessant tweeting, and hasn't fronted up to other questions from reporters at all. Unless you're being extremely generous, you have to admit it looks like he's a skulking, skulking big giant baby. So it's especially strange when he finally emerged from his pillow fort uh, in the residence to do something other than golf, and he chose uh, what appeared to be behind a little baby desk for babies. The weirdly small desk, the weirdly vacuum and marked carpet, the weirdly naked Christmas tree, the weirdly unanchored stand for the uh, unheard Mike teetering over the president's actual head. It's all just so weird. Now this small table seems to be or one of several uh, used when the president signs major legislation, as it's easier to get a big crowd gathered around them for photos, but it was just him in the room. Uh, so this is what Twitter was saying. Here's the thing about the small desk. Trump is sitting like at a bill signing desk. It's meant to have dozens or so people around it. Uh, I think it might be so small that people can cram for a photo op. It's not intended to be a desk you sit at alone. Uh, one even remarked about the size of it. It's a child's desk. And joking, uh, whoever told him this was a good idea obviously hates him. Trump is a normal sized desk. Desk guy, barely keeping it together. Mm, yeah. Uh, Trump's uh, NPR, tiny desk concert. Uh, is this a school play? I mean, bravo to whoever, whoever set up the scene and created. This is a work of art. I sincerely uh, salute you. Look at what Trump got for Christmas. It's a Fisher Price. I'm still president. Miniature desk playset. So cute. The But the desk, I think, didn't seem so small because of his dwarf hands. But if he got up too quickly, he could actually take the desk with him. The seven, de uh, seven dwarfs could sit around the desk for a Big Mac, shake and fish fillet with Trump. Uh, Trump's dwarfs would be called bitter, pissed, petulant, lazy, cheater, loser and finally fired. All right, let's get the uh, let's get the pan on here and get some uh, we'll get some uh, snags. We'll get some sausages uh We'll get some sausages going here. Um, popular EU sausages are set to disappear from British supermarkets in new trade blow. Irish sausages and German bratwurst are set to disappear from British supermarkets in new Brexit trade blow. Uh, talks to prevent EU ban on the importing of chilled meat are likely to fail. Uh, the EU doesn't want British sausages either. A steak is the UK exports of sausage meat, uncooked beef burgers and other uncooked uh, prepared products. Uh, but the deadlock could result in popular EU goods such as Irish sausages and German bratwurst being turned back at ports here. Um, if the EU ban uh, on the import of uh, uh, British sausage meat, mince meat, um, will be the UK position as well from the 1st of January. EU regulations state that uncooked prepared meat products such as sausages and burgers cannot be imported in the block unless they are frozen to minus 18 degrees Celsius. That's incredibly cold for sausages. At minus 18 degrees Celsius, I would actually worry of a meat shrinkage issue. A meat shrinkage issue. This package uh, would shrink so much it would no longer fit into the sausage skin. The English sausage, for example, the huge Cumberland sausage is renowned for being so meaty it almost spills and splits the sausage skin. These rules and possible shrinkage of the sausage is an anathema.
Okay, it's time to call the fashion police. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, we're calling. Uh, we're calling the fashion police. Let's set off the alarm here. Um, everybody knows my absolute hatred of the beanie hat. Um, it looks like a floppy woolen sheath. Now uh, I have a new one. The putrid, unnecessarily bright puffer coat that makes one look like the Michelin Man. Whatever happened? Whatever happened to sleek outerwear? with a waffer-thin turtleneck, oh, for those days to come back again. But the puffer coat, seriously, rolls, look, making it look like the Michelin Man, with a bright green, orange, yellow, oh, dearie me. The Queen's five wellness rules for resilience. At 94, with nearly 69 years, on the uh, English throne, the British throne. In his new book, Long Live the Queen, Brian Kogowski identifies the strategies that power our longest standing monarch. Start with these five rules to tap into our iconic resilience. Tiaras are indeed optional. I hereby banish negativity. Elizabeth's stiff upper lip is famously stiff, brought up in the area of British stoicism. She doesn't like to vent her sorrows to others or ruminate on painful memories. I find that I often uh, put things out of my mind, which is uh, disagreeable. Um, the Queen once said, but what makes her seem like the biggest misfit in our modern age of emotional openness and uh, totally unfathomable Aurora hearts like Princess Diana is actually one of her greatest strengths. So-called purposeful uh, 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 repressors, people who consciously dial down negative mind chatter, benefit from a kind of psychological armour studies have found, preventing their crushing spiral negativity from the mental foothold. As Elizabeth once observed with uh, astonishing accurate insight, the trouble with gloom is that it feeds upon itself. Depression causes more depression. Develop your devoir. There's one longevity trait Elizabeth shares with active 90-somethings around the world, a strong sense of purpose. The long-lived Japanese call it uh, Ikali, a reason for living. The Queen Mother, who lived to 101, knew it by the French term devoir, meaning duty. Uh, Elizabeth recognised her devoir at 21, promising that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. Incidentally, the longer she embraced her purpose, the longer her life has been lengthened, a virtuous cycle supported by studies showing the amazing uh, biological benefits of living for something larger than yourself. Make time for play is T.H. White's royal classic, The Sword and the Stone. Young Arthur learns the art of kingship uh, through the act of play, the same magical medium shaping the strengthening Elizabeth to this day. The Queen is one of those rare adults who enjoyed an unbroken relationship with play into old age, still taking time almost every day to play with the things she loved as a child, especially horses. Doing so has kept her muscles active and her mind remarkably agile. Get out of your own regal head! The uh, last time Ego went into Elizabeth's head, she was seven years when she was reprimanded by a grandmother for being rudely imperious to a palace courtier. Self-absorption, she soon learned, served royal ills. Her da Uncle David's narcissism cost him the throne in 1936. The Princess Diana's infatuation with the media riddled her with suicidal self-doubts. So from the beginning of her reign, the Queen made conscious effort to get out of her own head as much as possible to practice the virtues uh, a behavioural psychologist called self-distancing. She even likes to speak in impersonal pronouns, choosing one over we or I 
and me uh, because she can with complete lack of uh, vanity uh, comb through daily on sort of personal stories in the tabloids and remain a detached and oftentimes amused spectator the queen has often been known to self-deprecatingly chuckle oh philip i've got my miss piggy face on um, and then uh, keep the faith the queen might uh, carry Tudor title, defender of the faith, but her faith has been more accurately defended and carried her through her most turbulent times. It's something she alludes to virtually every year in her Christmas broadcast, showing that she had deep spiritual beliefs have been an inspiration and anchor in her life. God save the Queen! So an Austrian village uh, cleans up its act by changing its name um, from one thing uh, to indeed a, uh, another. Um, so <laughs> the Austrian village called, um, it was actually called the full F word, uh, that I'm not going to say just in case there's a kiddie wings listening. Um, but fug this, it's changed its name from one F word to fugging after tourists kept having sex in front of the road signs. Austrian village will change its name from, uh, effing to fugging. Uh, from its rude original. Uh, residents have endured years of sniggers from English speakers over the name. Tourists made a point of stopping to take pictures by the signposts. An Austrian village will ring in the new year by changing its name to Fugging after its rude original name being too much for locals to bear. Residents of the said village endured decades of sniggers from English speakers and the frequent theft of its signs. Tourists made a point of stopping to snap themselves by the signposts, often striking lewd poses posted on social media. Um, finally, a hundred villagers decided enough is enough. Council uh, minutes published yesterday showing, uh, showing that the existing uh, name for a thousand years, the village will be named Fugging from January the 1st. The municipal mayor, Andrea Holzer, said, I'm confirming that, in fact, this is decided by the local council and I'll not say any more about it. Um, and apparently, the in 2018, a pornographic website said it was offering free premium access to the residents of the town of Fugging and towns with such names as uh, 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 Tits with a Z, uh, Germany uh, in Germany, or Big Beaver, Pennsylvania, in the United States. I mean, I think I'd love to have a carpet store uh, in in Fugging, um, in the town of Fugging. Um, and it would be called fugging rugs. And uh, then the unfortunate condition one could have on a steamy night is fugging rug burns. Um, and those uh, rather rotund individuals from the town, uh, from that uh, could be fugly from fugging. Well, thank you so much for listening to uh, this rather bumper edition uh, holiday week of the podcast. We had a podcast on uh, on Wednesday, a Thanksgiving special that you should listen into, where I did reveal the recipe for Yorkshire pudding uh, and also the perfect uh, roast potato. Um, anyway, so it's keep, at Keep Cheese on Twitter, uh, Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese Instagram. Uh, lovely to have you along for the ride again today. Uh, this coming week, uh, we'll probably have one podcast on Friday, but who knows, we might... Uh, might squeeze an extra special edition uh, if you're all good children this year. Uh, Uncle Chappy Santa could come and visit you. Uh, so we have a little rather seasonal feeling excerpt from Lewis Carroll's Alice Adventures in Wonderland uh, to close the podcast this week. I wonder if the snow loves the trees in the fields that it kisses them so gently and then it covers them snug, you know, with a white quilt and perhaps it says, go to sleep, darlings, till the summer comes again. 
Good night, everybody. We'll see you next week. Toodaloo for now.